Well, today we do continue this series called Mixtape, and one of the fun things that we've been doing is having a little quiz before some of our messages, and so we're going to have a little quiz this morning, okay? Now, this one's an auditory quiz. This one's going to be something you've got to listen to. So we're going we're gonna to do the, the best movie theme songs of all time, all right? So what we're going to do, we're going to play a little snippet from a, a song that's a theme song, and you've got to tell us, just kind of yell it out which theme song to which movie you think it is. You got it? All right, great. Here's the first one. Man, you guys are amazing. Amazing. Star Wars, great. Good job. Let's see if you can get this one. Go. I recommend my Tempur-Pedic to everybody. I don't think that was it. The most highly recommended. Mercedes Benz. Good. That was it. That was the movie there. Is it going to work? Three seconds. Here we go. Yep, there weren't going to be any ads. Now there's ads. Of course, there's ads. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, too. Seriously? You guys know that one? Nice. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. All right, here's the third one. There might be an ad. I apologize. Here we go. Good job. That's right. You're exactly right. You guys are a lot better than I thought. You know, you think about those songs, and they connect with us, right? I mean, we remember those movies, and now right now in your mind, you're thinking about Star Wars, you're thinking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're thinking about Jurassic Park, because they're just so powerful. You know, we play Jaws, everybody's like, I know Jaws, I'm not going to go back in the ocean anytime this year, why? Because there's a connection there with that song, it's powerful in our minds, and we never forget it. Today we're going to talk about what I think is probably David's most powerful song that he wrote. But before I get there, let me kind of explain where we have been. Like I said, we're in this series called Mixtape. And in this series, we've been talking about how back in the day, we would make mixtapes of our favorite artists, our favorite songs. Now we have playlists that we put on our phones that we listen to. And we do that because music is powerful. There's certain artists and songs that just kind of, kind of move us in, in certain ways, and depending on what season of life that we're in. And what we find is that in the book of Psalms, God has said, here's my playlist for you. The book of Psalms, there are 150 songs in it. They're written over the course of about 900 years. Some even go back to the time of Moses. About half these songs were written by or about or for King David. And here's what's so incredible about these songs. They're still powerful to this day. So people still sing and, and celebrate and have parties and have weddings that, that are connected to these songs. They still use these songs thousands of years later. And here we are in this series, the summer series, and we're talking about a different psalm every single week here at The Journey. Well, one of these songs you know very well. We talked about it a few weeks ago, Psalm 23. And in fact, even if you didn't really grow up, up in church, when we start saying, the Lord is my shepherd, you, you probably know what the next part of that line is. It's just because it's been the song that's been recited over and over and over again. And for many of us, we know this song. And like I said, we, we know it in the King James Version, because that's what we grew up understanding and listening to and reciting. But today we're going to talk about what scholars say is actually the most powerful song that David ever wrote. Psalm 139. Now, last week we talked about the cussing song. You remember that? I said last week's song is known as the cussing song. This, this song is known as the crown of the Psalms. But scholars say this song is so powerful because it's, it's talking about this relationship that is the most important one to David. The relationship that he has with God. And in this song he describes who God is to him. How he sees 
God in his life. And so over the next few moments, we're going to look at Psalm 139. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, there are Bibles there in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. Uh, you can follow along there. If you don't have a Bible, you know somebody's looking for a Bible, take that Bible home with you. It's free. And that's why they're there. We're going to post this or put it up on the screens behind me. You can follow along on your Journey Church app or you can take notes on your program. But Psalm 139, here's how it begins. Verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Here's what David's telling us. He said, God knows me. God knows me. I'm going to put a number up here on the screen. And I want you to take a look at this number. It's a, it's a big number, I think. Did I give you guys the number to put on the screen? Yes, I did. There it is. It's the world's population, 7,641,034,995, give or take 10 or 20 people, okay? That's a really big number. Think about that for a moment. 7.6 billion people live on this earth. 2.8 billion live in two countries, India and China. The other 4.8 billion live in the other 194 countries in the world. That's a lot of people spread throughout this earth. Today alone, 166,000 babies will be born. 166,000. 70,000 people will pass away, which leads us a net plus of about 96,000 people just today alone. We look at that number right there and we think, that's a lot of people. And so if that's a lot of people and I'm just me, how can there be a God who actually knows me? I mean, that's, that's a lot of different people that God has to deal with. And, and there's populations of those people that God probably has a lot of work to do. And, and God's really busy with certain events that are taking place. And there's more important people than me. And so we look at that number, we think, man, can, can God really know me? Can, can God really care for someone like me? I, I'm a nobody. I'm not that important. David here in this psalm is saying, hey, God knows me. Here's why I think we struggle with God not knowing us. I'm going to blame somebody for this. Kids. It's kids' fault. It is. If you've got children or you've ever babysat kids before, you've been around kids at all, you know they're kind of crazy, right? Not you kids up here. I'm not talking about you kids. But everybody else's kids are crazy. Um, we have three children. Uh, they're 16, 13, and 10. And, uh, and they're not too bad now, but a few years ago, Man, they could rapid fire some questions, right? If you got kids that can actually talk, like, Dad, what are you doing? Hey, Mom, what's for dinner? Hey, Dad, what did you just tell that kid? Hey, Mom, what are we doing on Thursday at 2.45 p.m.? Hey, Dad, hey, Mom. And just constant questions over and over and over again. I mean, your head's about to explode, right? And then you take your kids somewhere. If I take them to the pool back in the day, you did everything you could to keep your eye on the kid because you knew if you turned away, even for a moment, they were going to see you in that moment. And they're going to say, why weren't you watching me when I did that trick? And so you turn away for a moment. What do they do? They know. It's like the sixth sense that they have. 
And they're looking at you like, hey, Dad, why don't you watch me? Hey, Dad, watch me do this. Hey, Dad, you weren't watching. Let me do it again. Hey, Dad, I didn't do it the best the first time. Let me do it again. And so these kids that we have, we look at them like, I got three of them. Sometimes it's just hard to deal with three. And so we think about God and we're like, 7.6 billion people. How can God deal with all these people at the exact same time? Because I got three kids and I really struggle with that. Here's what we've done. We've given God human traits. Uh, There's a word for that, anthropomorphism. We've said, God, we're human, so you must be. Hey, God, whatever I experience, whatever my personality is, whatever my feelings are, however much tension my kids bring me, you must feel the exact same way about me in terms of humanity. And so, God, you're just like us, but God's not. God is very different than you and I. We have given God limitations by saying, you're just like us, God. But God's like, no. And David's like, no. God fully knows me. God knows everything about me. I know that's hard for us to wrap our heads around. But God doesn't have human traits like you and I do. God's traits are very, very different. But here's what David is telling us here, I think, in this first part of Psalm 139. God has your undivided attention. That that it's not like you and I just have one 7.6 billionth of God's attention. We've got it all. You and I, we have all of God's attention. The person sitting next to you, they've got all of God's attention. The person who's two rows in front of you that's on their phone looking at scores from last night and not paying attention to anything happening right now, they've got all of God's attention. The couple who don't go to church because they don't believe in God, they're eating Western omelets and pancakes at IHOP. Guess what? They got all God's attention. The young lady in another country all the way around the world who believes in something totally different than God, she has all God's attention. Again, we, we can't wrap our minds around that because we're so finite in the way we think about who God is. But David says, God knows me and God knows every single person in the 7.6 plus billion people who live here on this earth. David begins this psalm by saying, God knows me. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Here's what David's telling us, that God surrounds me. God surrounds me. God is always with me. You you know, we, um, we live in the D.C. metro area. If you didn't know that, um, if you're visiting from out of town, that's where you are. Um, but if you live here, you know you're being tracked, right? In fact, every single person in this room, well, not every single person, but some of you, that's actually what you do for a living. You track people. That is your job to track people. But everything that we do, it's being tracked. If you have your cell phone and it's on right now, it's emitting a signal. And every day, every minute of every day, it leaves a spot where a location where, where you are. And so someone can track you. Now, more than likely, nobody really cares where you are (laughs) unless you're hiding from the feds because you did something you shouldn't have done. But otherwise, you're being tracked. If you and I go on Google and we look up, um, do a search for making 
banana pudding or how to fix a, a toaster oven or how to lose 25 pounds in 10 days. They log all that information. And so like a two days later when you're looking at something else and this ad pops up or a recipe for banana pudding, you're like, how did they do that? Well, it's because they take all your information. They log your searches. And then the ads jump in to say, hey, why don't you buy this banana pudding instead of trying to make your own, right? That's how this works. Or think for a moment about, uh, about phone photos. We don't really think about this, but when we take a photo with our phone, there's data that's embedded in that. It tells the date, the time, and the location of that special moment of that five guys dinner you had last night that you took a picture of and you put on Snapchat or, or Instagram. We're being tracked constantly. David says, hey, God, where can I hide from you? David's like, nowhere. God, I, I can't hide anywhere from you because you are always with me. God, you always surround me. But that's not what we tell ourselves, is it? We tell ourselves we can hide from God. We can hide from God our, our actions, our, our words. We can hide from God our decisions. We can hide from, from God our sins. And David's like, no, you can't. God, you know me. And not only that, God, but, but you surround me. I, I think part of the reason we think we can hide from God is that um, pastors, teachers, and churches have said, you're on a search for God. And so when you think about that idea of searching for God, it's kind of saying, hey, God's over here, and we're here, and so we've got to figure out how do we go find God. David says, you don't have to search for God. You don't have to find for God. God's already present. God's right where you are. And so when you lose your job, God's there. When you get that phone call from the doctor, God is right there. And when that relationship falls apart, God is there. When we're hiding in, in that darkness that David talks about, God's not somewhere else. God is right there. And David says, no matter where I am and what I'm doing, God, you surround me. You're always with me. God knows me. God surrounds me. Then here's what David says in verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where I had to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David says, God created me. God created me. Let's take a look at this image. Tell me if you know who this is. <laughs> Kermit the Frog. Yes, yeah, some of us grew up watching the Muppets. Remember those days? It's crazy. They're still kind of popular today. Um, but if you think about Kermit the Frog and Jim Henson, who created Kermit the Frog, he, he didn't use some incredible computer design program and type in a few things like, hey, you know, spit out what this perfect Muppet, Muppet would look like, and, and this is what he came up with. That's not where that came from. He, he didn't go out and spend a bunch of money on, on all kinds of expensive materials to say, hey, I'm going I'm to just make this, this, 
this Kermit out of gold because I think gold would be great. That's not what he did. Jim Henson had an idea in his mind, and he began to create Kermit. He created Kermit from his mom's old spring jacket that she used to wear. And those eyeballs that now, you know, are probably <laughs> more genetically engineered than anything else. Um, they were just a ping pong ball he cut in half and put on there for eyes. I mean, we have this idea that Jim Henson spent all this time and this money trying to build Kermit. And he's like, no, here's a couple things that I have. This is what this Muppet's going to look like. And he created something that's still an icon to this very day. David says, hey, God, you created me. You created me. And you didn't have some computer program. You didn't, you didn't have all kinds of crazy materials that you used. It was just dirt, and you put me together, and you created me. You, you made me who I am. And not only that, but you, you've known me before I was even born. I, I love going back and looking at these traits of an unborn baby. Let me share these with you. At six weeks, the baby's heart develops and beats. At 10 weeks, the heart, lungs, kidneys, brain, intestines are functioning. They're really small, but they're functioning. At 13 weeks, the baby has its unique fingerprints. At 16 weeks, the baby has a mustache. I don't know if you knew this or not. In fact, your whole body is hairy at 16 weeks. At 27 weeks, the baby practices breathing on its own. At 28 weeks, the baby is able to smell. And at birth, baby's eyes will be 75% of their adult size. It's incredible when you think about all those traits of, of an unborn child, right? These words right here from David are probably some of the most famous from, from Psalm 139. And what is he doing? He's describing, God, you know me because you created me. You made me. Before I was even born, when I was in the womb, you know exactly who I was going to be. And so if God created us, then God knows every detail about us. God knows your Fitbit numbers for today. God knows your blood pressure right now. God knows how many hairs are on your head. God knows how many hairs you're going to lose today. God knows these things. God knows how many breaths you and I are going to take this year. He knows how many we're going to take today. He knows how many we have until the day we're going to pass away. This is who God is. God knows us down to the molecular level level, because God created us, and he knows every detail about us. Again, we kind of struggle with this, and the reason we look at ourselves and we think, but I'm not a perfect creation. I've got faults. I've got baggage. I've made decisions that I I wish I'd never made. And and so we, we look at our life, and we say, because of that, I really, I don't think I'm this perfect creation that David's talking about here. God, how could you really know me? Because, because look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Some of us look at our outside body and we see flaws. You know, we, we see gray hair and wrinkles. And we see that we want to lose another 10 pounds. And we're like, Ugh, I'm not perfect. David says, guess what? In God's eyes, you are. God created me. God created you. And if we can understand that, then we can go back to what David said earlier. Then that means God knows us, fully knows us. And not only that, because God created us and he knows us, God surrounds us. God will always be with us. Because of these traits that God, or that David sees in God, he says, here's how I want to live my life, God. Look at the last two verses there 
in Psalm 139. Verse 23. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David says, God leads me. Because he created me and he knows me and he's with me. God, I, I want you to lead me. Sigmund Freud was the founder of psychoanalysis, and he was trying to explain why people followed other people. He couldn't quite understand it because he had these patients, these followers of his, and it was weird because they were falling in love with him, men and women. He was asking this question, why? Why is this taking place? Why are these people doing this? And, And what he figured out is that they were transferring past relationships, experiences, emotions, feelings that they had onto Freud. And they were saying, because those relationships are gone, now I'm transferring those feelings and those experiences onto you. Because for them, Freud was their leader. He called this transference. or transference. The idea being that we choose to follow someone. And that's kind of how we are when it comes to people in our lives. Or things in our life. We want something so badly. We, we want to follow someone or something so badly. That we will take our lives and we will transfer our relationships and our emotions and our feelings onto that individual, onto that person. Because we're hoping they'll lead us to something better. They'll take us somewhere we've never been before. And in Psalm 23, we were talking about God being our shepherd. And we said there's a question that all of us have to ask is who's the leader of our life? And we said it could be a what or a who. The what could, could be... Our career, our job, finances, money, could be an addiction. That there's something in our life that we are following. And it is the leader for us. And everything that we do is really connected to that. And we've kind of said, I'm going to transfer everything I am to that thing. And it's the leader of our life. But we also said there may be a who in your life that you're following. That there's a person, maybe it's a political figure, a celebrity. could be someone you're in a relationship with. And you've said, hey, all of my experiences, everything that I am, my emotions, my feelings, I'm just going to transfer to that person because I want them to lead me. I want them to, to take me to something better in my life. What we find is there's always disappointment there. Fear shows up. We struggle through life. And the reason's simple. We put our trust in a what or a who David says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you let God lead you? Because God created you, and God knows you, and God is always with you. And so if these are the traits that God has, then then why not let God lead me? Why not let God lead you? David says, this is the reason I, I am in this relationship with God. And it blows my mind because David's one of these guys. He's the king of Israel. He's a very powerful king and a very powerful nation at that time. He's got everything. He's got power. He's got prestige, prominence, success, leader. He's got all these people who are following him. And yet here's David. And we find this throughout the Psalms. David says, God is my leader. God leads me. I'm not perfect. And I'm struggling. And I'm making poor decisions. I'm doing things I shouldn't do. But there's still a God who loves me. And there's still a God who leads me. To me, those are powerful words from a powerful man. That God leads him. But why? 
Because David understands who God is and what God has done for his life and what God is doing in his life. Because God knew him, he surrounds him, he created him. I think you and I, sometimes we struggle with what David wrote here in this song because we tend to see God as distant and demanding. That God's too busy. There's 7.6 billion people on this earth. That God's too busy. There's too many things going on, too many issues that God has to deal with. God doesn't have, doesn't have any, any time for me. And so we see God as, as a distant God, as a demanding God. God wants too much out of us. David's like, no, 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 no. That's not who God is. He says God is warm and welcoming. Because God created me and knows me and surrounds me. And because of that, God will always lead me. As we think about the psalm this morning and about these attributes, attributes that, that David says God has, there's this question of, so what do those next steps look like for you and for me? Here's the first thing that I would say, especially if you struggle with this idea of, of what David talks about here in Psalm 139. The first thing I would say is just spend time reading Scripture. Spend time reading Scripture. In fact, here's what I would tell you to do. Read the Psalms. Just take a moment every day and read one of the Psalms. Uh, if you've been here with us throughout this series, one of the things that we are doing on our Facebook page on Monday through Friday, we're posting one of the Psalms. And so you can go like our Facebook page and follow it. And every single morning, about 6, 6.30 a.m., one of those Psalms pass, pops up. Read it. And just kind of meditate on it for a little bit. Because I believe God can still speak through Scripture. And, and these songs are a great way to see what God is saying. And to find out more about God. Because David talks about God extensively in these songs that he writes. Spend some time in Scripture. If you're not on Facebook and you don't want to be on Facebook, no problem whatsoever. There on your program today on the notes page down at the right-hand corner. You just see Monday through Friday listed. And we've got those, those Psalms listed there. Just take that, stick it in your Bible. Read along with us as we go through this series. Because I believe God works through Scripture. Second thing that I would say is maybe a next step for some of us, especially for those of us who really struggle with God. Maybe you're here and you're an atheist, you're an agnostic, you're not real sure about this Jesus stuff, you're, really, you're not sure about God. Here's what I would invite you to do. Find someone who lives this psalm out. Like they've struggled in their life, they've gone through difficult times, and yet for some crazy reason their faith is still strong. Maybe they've lost someone really close to them. Maybe a relationship has been broken apart. Maybe there's a loss of, of a child, and you've got this pain that's there, and yet their faith is still strong. Why? Because many times we lose our faith in God when those moments happen, when the difficult, rough times happen. Why are they still focused on God? Why do they still believe in God? Why do they still think God created them and knows them and surrounds them? Why? Because here's what you're going to find. They're going to they're probably tell you the same steps that David had here. And in the end, they're going to say, hey, God still leads me. God's the only reason that I am where I am today. So take the time to find that individual and say, talk to me. Tell me your story about this relationship you have with God. And the third thing I would say is pray. Just simple prayer. God, give me glimpses of who you are. God, God let me see who you are because I'm struggling in my job. I'm about to lose my job. Again, this relationship is messed up. Uh, these things are happening in my life. Just just let me see you in this. And if we're patient, I believe God will answer. That God will make it clear to us who God is in our life. Just like David talks about here. And in that moment, 
We come to the place where we say, God, you lead me. Because you created me, you know me, and you always are there with me. You surround me. I love this song because of that. Because it's coming from David's heart. It's coming from a a deep place in David's life. And these are the traits that he sees in God. And so he says, God, lead me to everlasting. Not, Not just for today, not just for tomorrow, not for a month, but forever. Just be my leader. And I will follow you. As we head into our communion time this morning, it reminds me of Jesus' words back in Matthew 4. Jesus says, come, follow me. In fact, Jesus finds these guys. He's like, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow me. And what do they do? They drop everything that they're doing, and they go, and they follow Jesus. They give up everything just to follow Christ. Why? Because they understood who he was in their life. Maybe for you and I this morning, we need to be reminded of that. Because if you're a follower of Christ, this time that we take together as we partake in our communion is that reminder that we are called to follow Jesus, that Jesus is our leader. And because of that, we are reminded of who God is in our life because of the words we see here with David. And so this morning, as we take the bread and the juice, as we take it together, can we be reminded that we are called to follow Jesus, that we are called to allow him to lead us, and that if we do that, our life will be an incredible experience with Christ, with God, not just for a moment, but as David says here, until everlasting.